like the eternal city that is Rome, where the ecclesiastical splendor of the Renaissance completely enthralls the imagination. The dome of St. Peter's rises upwards like a heavenly choir. From the topmost pinnacle, the centuries that are Rome spread out in everlasting significance. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the podcast this Tuesday. Today we have on Patrick O'Hearn, a former editor at Tan Books, and you now have your own website, correct? Contemplative Art Press. That's correct. So is that uh, you and a few other guys as well? You know, it's actually, um, I started that before I worked at Tan, and it was to get some of my, I originally self-published several, like three books, and then you know, a couple of them tan picked up in Emmaus Road Press, but I still use that. Um, I have a, a book called Nursery of Heaven. It's a miscarriage book, and that's the only book I self-publish right now. But I just kept the mm-hmm. Contemplative Heart Press website on there. So, Yeah, so uh, tomorrow we're having on Mike Aquilina, and that's the guy you go to when you want to know about the fathers. But you're the guy you go to when you want to know about the saints. You've written a few books on the saints. Uh, so uh, Courtship on the Saints is your upcoming book. Uh, and then The Parents of the Saints is the one that's the one you've already published. So can you tell us uh, a little bit about that book? Uh, did you learn anything interesting while writing that one? Yeah. Which did you want me to talk about the parents one first? Yeah, the parents. Okay, yeah, the parents so. one. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I started that. It was, I'd only been married a couple of years, a couple months. And then, um, you know, I just kind of a I was actually walking with my wife we were just visiting my parents you know going for a walk and basically the idea came out of nowhere you know the parents of the saints and you know like and uh you know I I wanted to be the best father I could be and so I wanted to know like how are the saints how were they formed and in college I read a book you know the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey I think everyone has to read it like in business school and uh, and one of them you know the last point was you know, it says keep the end the end in mind and that's for us is like the end in mind is heaven and and you, and so as i began to i just i just kind of praying on and i was reading different saints and i was and everything would go back to it point back to their parents and i was like you know so that took me about three years i wrote a book and i just i, I eventually i came to like i call them the seven hallmarks but each chapter is surrounded on those hallmarks so I use that instead of like just, you know, a lot of the saints biographies, you pick them up, they're kind of just, they're like, they just get facts, like, and which is important, but you kind of get, they're kind of dry. And so I felt like, let's, I focused every chapter around these hallmarks and then I have stories. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when the, the first hallmark is like the sacramental life. So I, you know, I don't showcase, so there's over a hundred parents I focus on, but not in every hallmark, I don't go through every hundred parents. Uh-huh. But I, I just yeah. cover a couple of them, you know, and like, what did they do? Like St. Therese's dad, you know, he would, you know, take his daughter for walks, you know, to, to go visit the blessed sacrament just little things that have kind of helped me as a father. So, um, yeah. So is uh St. Teresa's family, your favorite St. family. They are. Yeah. If they, you know, and I think the reason is, you know, cause I spent a few years in a mon in a Benedictine monastery. And then when I discerned out, it was, it was kind of painful for me because I always thought like, Hey, I was, I thought this was my calling Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, became very clear it wasn't. And then I remember reading about Saint Zelie Martin, Therese's mom, and she was like in tears on her wedding night because she wanted to be a nun still, and and her and her yeah. husband wanted to be a uh, you know a monk. And so I felt like wow, like these people actually have similar desires that I have. And so mm-hmm. then uh, I just I felt and there was a lot written on them by their own daughter, so I was able to use you know a lot of sources on them. Yeah. So did you have a lot of trouble finding sources for these parents? You know, yeah, I, I would say I did. And then, um, you know, especially when the older you get, like, like John of the cross, his parents, right. His, his mother and father, like, you know, I had to rely on a couple of articles. I mean, the, the key is when you're writing is to find like the primary source, but you know, as a new author, I did try to find as much primary as I could, but I did rely on a lot of articles. And so like the newer saints, there was more information on, but even now it's like, you know, John Paul II's parents, there's only like one or two books on them. And, 
yeah. recently as they're they're in the process of being canonized more people have written on them so it's you know it's like man i wish i had that information now yeah um so what's your next project after the courtship of the saints do you have uh something of the saints coming after that one that is it's, un, it's under wraps right now but i know uh, i do i, I know I, I would love i do um i kind of like that topic i do have like a children's book coming out with uh, our sunday visitor or like on our lady of good help mm-hmm. so that'll be in the fall and then i have a book with um ave maria press called the grief of dads but and i go through different saints um who have lost children you know from from a man from a, a male from a father's perspective so it's really uh interesting yeah. topic for a book yeah so uh, all these books are helpful to people as well um, so that's your focus in writing these to help others it is you know what that's what kind of got me started into writing is you know uh, when when my wife and i when we lost our to be a two miscarriages i i kind of didn't there was no resources to really help me to process that grief and so that's that's kind of my my writing came from a i would say from a moment of a great suffering and pain because it's like i felt like hey if, if god if you can use me you know that i can use my experiences to help other people and so that's that's when i wrote the nursery of heaven that was the first book that actually was published but i i think i started the parents of the saints first but then like i paused and wrote the the nursery of heaven because i felt like that one was kind of more important so there, there's always like some kind of story of how the saints kind of dealt with that suffering and and in yeah. my stories so have you uh received like a lot of feedback from people that you've helped you know what i i not it's funny i you know maybe on like the amazon reviews you see people that like you know like you know um i can't say that people like come up to hey man like, your book is amazing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny like that you know i was really humbled that you know the editor at sophia press like he he got a hold of my parents of the saints book and he he gave, he's like he just loved it and uh so i was like hey can i use your endorsement you know and i, I mean obviously we're like tan and sophia are kind of competitors but and i so he's like yeah please so i put it on like my amazon page but uh so i i think you know I, it's like you don't really know you don't write books to like get the praise of people but it, i mean you don't know when you get to heaven god willing maybe there is just you know one person that was touched by your book so. yeah i bet there's a few quite yeah, a few yeah um so have you ever received like any negative feedback i don't think you you would <laughs> no but. i mean some people put on amazon like you know there's you do i mean you notice the reviews like one person said well this wasn't like there wasn't on the miscarriage book there it was like something about like there wasn't enough resources or and you know the whole book was it's laid out as stories of people that have lost children so there is a section on resources but it's almost like i I was like did you read the book you know like i mean i mean i kind of see in even in the you know in the marketing copy this is a bunch of stories so no Mm -hmm. i i can see you know so it is it is good to be i mean i think as a writer you always want to you know obviously if someone gives you you know, you have to accept the good and the bad. So, um, thankfully yeah. I haven't had too many, you know, bad feedback at all. Yeah. I guess I'm a professional at receiving negative feedback. Uh, uh, in short, I guess like, so I had all these social media accounts from high school, like Snapchat and Instagram. Uh, these were like my high school friends on these. So like I go on to college, I'm like a different person. I become a Catholic. And so I still have these social media accounts, but I'm thinking of deleting them. But I was like, oh, I'm going to just post about God before I delete it. So go out for bang. Um, And so I did that. And I received at first like a lot of negative feedback. Like one guy said, why are you trying to help people? Just let them be. uh, Stop trying to help people. And I was like, no, you can't really argue with that. But I also received a lot of positive feedback just from like, high school friends I've never, uh, that I didn't talk to in high school, just reaching out and say, Hey, I like your stuff. Uh, it's helpful. Uh, so yeah, you kind of, um, you will receive that negative feedback, but you always receive more positive feedback. Yeah. That's always encouraging. Yeah. I think too, you know, that's beautiful, Mike. I think when you, you know, it, it's tough cause our motives, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's easy. Like even myself, you know, it's like, I don't, I'm not a big name out there. And, but, but even now, like you have to guard yourself. Cause it is, it's like, you know, the vanity, it's like, Oh, like, I wonder what, 
you know, like how many likes I'm going to get on this post mm -hmm. or, you know, it's in, you know, we're chasing that. And I have to tell myself like, I'm doing this for God. And like, so it doesn't really matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously like there's criticism. I want to improve on that area, but like, you know, I didn't, I didn't write this book, you know, so I could be, you know, everyone could like me or praise me, but you know, maybe just for, you know, obviously I did it for God and maybe there is one soul, but it is, it is difficult. I will say, you know, I, I think just trying to like, to have your the purity of intention so yeah i think uh once you stop caring like you can you can help people more because uh, you're not worried about the uh, negative feedback that's right so yeah um so are you trying to become a saint yourself you have plans I, to be a saint <laughs> i'm trying i you know that's sort of like you know saint zelly she always prayed like lord let me become a saint and i i think mm -hmm. i tell my wife you know it's not so much being canonized, like, well, you get your name, but I mean, a saint is someone that's in heaven. But I do think that like all the saints, you look at them, St. Therese, St. Faustina, they all wanted to be saints. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to like, and basically that means like you wake up every day and you say, you know, I'm going to live for God. I want to love you as much as I can. And every moment like that, that's like trying to do God's will. So that's what I think being a saint is. So, you know, I, I definitely, I fail at it so much, but I think, uh, I mean, I do like I, I that was the reason I went in the monastery in the first place was because I just started reflecting on the shortness of life and like you know we're here so short I mean compared to eternity and but at the same time it's not like um you know like God he he wants all holy vocation so I mean that's not just out of fear that you go and join a monastery because you're afraid like oh but it's really like where does God want you to be and how can I love him the best but I do think you know, whatever vocation you are, like meditating on death, you know, saying it today, Lord, like this is my last day. Let me, let me just, let me live it for you. Yeah. So you kind of took uh, my next question, but I was going to, I ask everyone this, everyone that's came on the podcast uh, about, I forget sometimes, but so the question is, what's your one piece of advice to anyone uh, to become a saint? Uh, so what's like the, the key to becoming a saint in your opinion you know i feel like tossed and turned around this this is a great that's an amazing question <laughs> and i think uh you know i think we i was telling my wife this like we all have these wounds you know you know from you know from maybe from our parents or we grow up and, and and so i think i think the key to being a saint is really like just how would i say like falling in love with the father like god the father and saying like becoming child i'd say i look at my two children just being that humble childlike you know like saint therese would say so yeah. it's not like hey i gotta go earn the father's love and gotta do all these i mean granted we need to live a mortified life but it's, it's like it's always being doing 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 but i think it's just it's falling in love with god and being a child of god and you know mm -hmm. and just like surrender trusting him even and so i'd say it's like living becoming becoming like a child i would say that mm -hmm. is that I think is the the key to being a saint. It's a really good answer. Yeah. That's that's the one I would give as well. Um, so yeah, you mentioned your children. Uh, are they big fans of the saints? Do they get that from their father? Yeah, yeah. So my my one son is seven, and then my daughter six months. So they're a big gap there. And uh, but the seven year old, it's funny. He he really likes uh, uh, Saint Michael a lot. And yeah. uh, so I think it was, like, his name is Jude. And it was on a Halloween, like our All Saints Day party. We we're going to be like, hey, you got to be St. Jude. We're going to dress you up. And he, he got so upset. He's like, no, I want to be St. Michael. We didn't have a St. Michael costume. So, but yeah. so I think, and I think it is important, you know, your children in terms of the name you pick them. Like it was really, you know, I think a lot of days people are like, yeah, let's just go with the cutest name. But it's like, I invoke that saint name, like, you know, when we were saying after our rosary, you know, I always try to like, remember to pray to that saint for, for my kids. Yeah. So, uh, not many people, uh, know this, but my first name's actually Chase, but my middle name was Michael. And so it was about the time I like, uh, was deciding to become Catholic. I changed it to Michael, uh, cause Chase, I don't think there's a saint named Chase, uh, so yeah, I'll be the second Saint Michael, hopefully. Hey, I was wondering when I saw your email. I was like, is this a different person? I now, <laughs> now I know. Okay, Michael. Yeah. Does does it say Chase? It uh, does. Yeah, it says Chase on there. I need to change that. I didn't know. I didn't know that. 
you're probably not the first person yeah. to be confused by that. So I'm going to ask you when when did you come in? Uh, I'm going to interview you now. When when, oh, did, yeah. when did you come? When did you come in the church, Mike? Um, four months ago, November twenty second, twenty twenty two. But uh, so it took me about a year and a half, like from the first decision to become Catholic, until uh, the baptism, confirmation, and first communion uh, on the twenty second. Um, so I guess I came home from college. Uh, over the summer of 2021. Um, and I was like trying to find a church because before then I was like just a, a Baptist, a Southern Baptist Bible only kind of guy. Um, but like once I actually sat down and read the entire Bible and read books like Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, uh, Augustine's Confessions, um, I was kind of developing a deeper spirituality uh, in college. So when I got home that summer, I was trying to find a church to go to. Uh, so I was looking for any church but the Catholic Church and the Baptist Church. Um, and so my roommate was also Catholic, um, not a good Catholic, I'll say that. But he uh, took me to mass uh, probably once a month throughout that college year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only went once a month, but he brought me when he went. Um and I didn't I didn't enjoy it uh, going to mass that first year, mostly because I didn't understand it. Uh, he didn't really explain it to me. No one else really explained it to me. So I was kind of lost. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to take in if you're an outsider coming into the Catholic world. Um, so, yeah, I was looking for any church but that church, the Catholic Church or the Baptist Church. Um, the Baptist Church isn't much of anything, really. Um, so I was looking for something deeper. Um, and I was, I was deciding between the Lutheran church. Um, so yeah, mostly the Lutheran church. Uh, now I realized it wasn't, um, it was invented by a man in the 1600s. So I just went back to the source. Um, I watched a lot of father Mike uh, Schmitz and stuff like that. And just, um, that's how I became Catholic, I guess. And then, so I made that decision, but then, I got busy with college again. I, I wasn't attending mass regularly. Um, so it took me an entire year to come back around. Um, by the time I decided to start going to mass, I missed the RCIA uh, cycle for that year. So I had to wait like an entire year, literally, until the next cycle started again. Um, but luckily, I got through RCIA in three months um, at a new church I found. But that's uh that's the long story condensed. Uh, it's really boring. <laughs> I apologize. No, I, I'm amazed. You know, like like converts, I I feel like you're yourself. It's you're like um, it's like you found this treasure, and it's it's like it brings so much refreshment to you know to the church because you get a lot of people like myself mm-hmm. that are raised in the church, and you know it's like we just take for granted what we have, you know. And but like converts, yeah. like yourself, it's like you're on fire. And I, I think that yeah. anyways, so thank you for uh, answering the call, you know, and, and to be so, I mean, to be so young and, and love your faith. Like it, it's amazing what God is going to do with your life. So. Yeah. Hopefully it'll last. Hopefully the fire doesn't go out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. What is your recommendation to not let that fire go out? What would your advice be to me uh, to keep me yeah. in the faith yeah. going strong in the faith? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, there's like two, well, the, the two pillars that, you know, Don Bosco had in his dream, you know, I don't know if you have that famous dream, he had all his dreams and, you know, yeah, and, no. and uh, it was like a ship. It was like the church and it was going through like Rocky storms. And on each pillar, there was, it was, there was a host like represented the Eucharist. And then there was a mm-hmm. statue of Mary. So I always say that those two pillars, you know, like the rosary, you know, that I feel like when I'm, yeah. when I become lukewarm in my faith or I'm kind of like, especially when you experience like great temptations, like the minute you stop praying the rosary, they just intensify. I remember the time in college, I just stopped praying the rosary and I was like, whoa, like it just like, you know, the temptations got even mm-hmm. worse. So I feel like that. And then I, I think just staying close to the Eucharist, you know, like going to mass, you know, if you can go to mass every day or going to make a visit, you know, you, you know, more than, you know, once yeah. a week, you know, I think there's adoration chapels. I think those two things are really, you know, that'll keep you uh, grounded because, you know, you, as, as we see, like, the more you get into the church, like when you're a convert, you're, it's kind of like 
you know, when you date a girl, you're infatuated with the beauty, all the sacraments, and then you go deeper and you see, wow, the church is like, you know, you see it's composed of a bunch of sinners and, and like, you know, you see the, the sins of yeah. some of our bishops and things. And so, and that can like get you, you know, like people will like, Oh, like, are you sure this is Christ church? And Christ says, you know, like I'm with you always, like this is the church that I found upon Peter. And I think just being aware of that, like, you know, the Eucharist and Mary, no matter what happens, you know, that we see going around and the confusion that that keeps, that'll keep, you know, keep you grounded, uh, keeps me to, at least. Yeah. So uh, not to get too deep into your personal story, but you said there's a lukewarm period when you were in college. Yeah. Um, so I found like a common denominator uh, with like people that have a lukewarm period when they're growing up. Uh, so they're not praying to the saints during that period. Were you praying to the saints during that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, well, I mean, there was a time I think, you know, I remember my senior year of high school cause I went to a Catholic high school and you know, we, I mean, I, even going to confession is, I'd probably go like you know, a couple times a year. That was it. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I went to college, I eventually transferred to this other school. And then you know, I started going month, you know, monthly. And I think that during, but I think the, t- the absence was like, you know, when I wasn't going to confession frequently, you know, I'd go to mass too on Sundays, but I think having this confession was really like a reminder to my conscience, like, Hey, this is serious, you know, like, you know, your sins. And so I I think it's like the lukewarmness is almost like a loss of the sense of sin, you know, like we just think, ah, it's a, it's okay. Um, You know, I don't have to live for God. And um, so, so I think, again, when I saw the importance of the confession, that kind of brought me back. And at the same time, you're right. Certain saints, the rosary, you know, devotions, those during that lukewarm period, I know that like, you know, your prayer life, it, it was even just spending daily time with God in prayer. You know, I think that's, that's another thing I would say to keep you in the faith is really because we become so active, you know, especially like in our prayer, you know, like our prayer just becomes vocal, but really, cause I was listening to father Rippinger and he's like, you, you need to have at least a minimum of 15 minutes every day for meditation. You know, that's, mm-hmm. and I think just, you know, that's, that's really important. I love father Ripperger. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. But yeah, like, uh, so I have the morning prayer, the, uh, bedtime prayer. Then like when I get home from work at about one thirty or one o'clock, I try to have like, uh, about a five minute prayer time, but it's usually just like one, our father and three Hail Marys, uh, and then glory be. And then, but just, uh, those few prayers that, uh, sets me up for like the entire day. It kind of recharges me. So I try to pray before supper as well. So at about six o'clock, so it's kind of like I think I take that from the monastic lifestyle. Every couple hours, I have that schedule. But yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. I know, I know Father Ripper. He was because I heard him speak recently, and he he was recommending. You know, I was like, you know, I was in the monastery, like praying the Angelus. You know, six, you know, noon, and then you know, six mm-hmm. o'clock. You know, just like having that. You know, people like you. You know, like I, I try to. I, I I got away from this when I was in the monastery. I used to like every. I'd love to pray that at the three o'clock hour, just go in the blessed before the blessed sacrament and pray the divine mercy chapel, or even just when three yeah. o'clock comes, just look at a crucifix and just say a quick prayer, you know, thank you, Lord, for dying on this hour. Mm-hmm. You know, just something. But these little prayers they do, you know, because I think we forget like the presence of God, you know, like and just yeah. like that He's with us, or even our guardian angel, like, you know, just like uh, how often I neglect him. You know, I think that's something yeah. for me. So I think everyone experiences yeah. it's hard yeah. to um, they're unnameable. So I think that kind of gets in the way. Uh, That's right. But one thing I started doing, I don't know if, if you heard of this or if any of the viewers heard of it, but uh, before I eat, I'll say the blessing and then I'll invoke like all the saints. So I'll go like, I'll start at Mary and Joseph, then go to St. Michael, my guardian angel, St. Alphonsus, my patron saint, and then a few others like St. Therese, St. Francis. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of go down the list, but that's kind of, that uh keeps me invoking the saints like throughout the day just at lunch yeah. and supper it's really it's simple yeah it's a great idea especially but when you get married and your wife's got the hot plate you know out there you probably don't want to invoke like a hundred saints because then the food will get cold sometimes my wife because i'll invoke so many i usually tag it on the end of the rosary and then it's funny my wife sometimes she's yeah. like she'll like just say pray for us at the end because i've like have so many of them but you know i, I think michael what one thing about the saints is, and I talked to a priest about this, is 
you know, do the saints feel like bad if we don't like invoke them, you know, like, are they like upset with us? And, I, and here's what I think and it just kind of occurred to me is like, the saints are like friends. They'll come in and out of your life. It's at, at certain points, at certain time periods. Like when I was in the monastery, I was really close with St. Raphael. Like he was my, pa- that's what my, my name was in the monastery. And uh, so I had a strong devotion to him. And then after I left, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, how, how to put it, I've gotten more in touch with him recently. And, uh, but like, it's, you can't, I guess you can have, his, you can have a lot of, you can be a friends with a hundred saints, but I'm, it's kind of like in my own life. Like I don't have like a tons of uh, friends. I don't have like 20, I have like maybe one or a couple of close friends. And I feel like the same way with the saints. I probably have a handful of saints that every day I invoke, I'm really close with. And like, for instance, we can't feel guilty if like, I love, you know, Padre Pio is a great saint. I don't have this great connection with him. And I shouldn't feel guilty about that either because it's like, you know, God, it's like, yeah, I should, I can invoke him, but it's like, you know, again, this guilt is not like, it's really not from God. You know, I I will tell you a story. I had a, this, this priest that married us, very holy Capuchin. And he, he was praying and Padre Pio Pio actually uh, rebuked him and said, why aren't you invoking me? It was like in the middle of prayer. Like he heard his voice. He's like, pray to, you know, invoke me. And I, I do think that there's certain saints like you're St. Michael or, you know, St. Patrick. And I feel like that they want to help us in a special way. And they do. When we are neglecting them, I do feel like they'll make their presence known. They're like, because they want to help us so bad. But they, you know, it's not, they're not going to help us if we don't, they'll still help us, but they'll help us even more if we call upon them. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Um, so when you were writing your books, did you like pray to those saints to help you get their character right or get the details right? Well, I did this one during mass. Like a lot of times I, you know, it was, it was, for instance, like today's the feast of St. Gemma and on their mm-hmm. feast day, when I go to mass, it, it would be, i almost, I don't hear, I didn't, uh, I don't hear anything, but I would I also feel this inspiration, like them telling me right about my parents. And so like St. Gemma, I think, you know, like on their feast day, I'd be praying to St. Gemma. And then I, the thought would occur to me why don't I research her parents? And so sure enough, like she's in my book, like her mom, her mom would bring her to confession. I think it was every week. And uh, it was like, they were scheduled that even when her mom was sick, she would bring some, you know, have the neighbor bring the kids to confession. So I definitely think that I felt many times there was like, like a priest came up to me. I told him about my ideas. Like, have you, have you, have you heard about St. Thomas More's dad? I was like, no. And so like, it was just different inspirations would come to me through, through the, I think through the saints and through other people. Yeah. So I wrote a fiction book. Uh, it's not published of course, but it was about the apostles. So St. Peter was the main character. And yeah. that was really like the first saint I prayed to St. Peter, just because I was like, help me get the details of this book. Right. But um, yeah. I don't plan on publishing that. That was a, that's a bad book. <laughs> but you know, that, that's what, yeah, but that's, you know, what I was going to say too is on the saints, like a lot of the stories, you know, as I, I quoted mother Angelica in there. So I talked about her, like she said that often the biographers, they sugarcoat their lives. And she's like, I wish 30 years in purgatory to anyone who sugarcoats their lives. So I, I think in my book, I tried to tell even where they failed as parents, you know, I think that's important to realize like we put yeah. them on a pedestal, and, and it almost makes like, oh, I'll never be a saint. But if you see like, you know, St. Zelie Martin, like she would complain about Lent. Like she'd say, I can't wait for Lent to be over. And I was like, hey, this is a saint that understands me, you know, because it's like, <laughs> when's Lent going to be over? Yeah, those Fridays get hard after yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially when you're working with fudge, man. You're just like, you're there. Uh, oh, I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I always try to incorporate one daily penance. So uh, there's always free fudge samples. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll just, that'll be my daily penance right there. Just don't eat that fudge. Yeah. That uh, that comes from St. Alphonsus Liguori. Uh, are you familiar with Liguori much? I am. He was, my, he was actually growing up, I would say, in college. He was my favorite saint. And I, I was like, thought about taking his name yeah. in the monastery. And then uh, someone's like, oh, you don't want to be like Brother Alphonsus, but I love oh. his Glories of Mary. And then the uh, that's probably my, that was like my favorite book. Yeah, he's my favorite saint. Um, I haven't read The Glories of Mary yet. I've read pieces of it, but yeah, I've read Preparation for Death, uh, The History of Heresies, a bit of that. That's like an 800 page yeah. book, though. And just uh, like uniformity of God's will, like short yeah. books like that, praying to God as a friend, those are very helpful. Um, 
so yeah, friends, the saints, um, they're like our friends. Uh, I think a lot of outsiders don't understand the, the role of the saints. Um, so, uh, being friends, they also set examples for us. And, uh, I don't know who the, uh, guy who said this was, but he said, you're an average of the five people you hang around the most. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that question, but do you think you're an average of the, the five saints you pray to the most? Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not like an, I, I mean, I want to be like them. And so um, definitely I, I feel like that the qualities, the virtues that they have, you know, like, and I believe like even your name, like Michael, right. Or I, I think of Patrick, like there's a reason you have that name. I often think it's your mission is connected with that name. So like, a, like you being a warrior, and like Patrick, you know, I have to go and evangelize. Now, it doesn't mean I have the same mission, but I, I do think that it's like there's a reason. So I think like for me writing, it's like St. Patrick, like, you know, he was trying to, you know, spread the faith. And so I feel like that's kind of like I have a similar role. And I, I do think that there's definitely like those, ver if anything, I, was, I came across this quote the other day. I think it was St. Gertrude said, when you ask that, instead of just asking the saint, hey, help me find my, like my lost keys. If anything, you should pray like, help me to have that virtue. Like Mary, if you ask Mary to give yeah. me, give me a share of your humility like that. I mean, you would be, I think God would, I mean, I've been praying that litany of humility prayer like the last couple months. And I'll tell you, man, God's just like humbling me. Like it's not even, I don't even know. Like sometimes I go to my wife, should I stop praying this? Like, yeah. it's like kind of scary what's happened, but it's been good. I mean, it's like, God is really humbling me. Like I'm, I realize I'm nothing, you know, after I say that prayer, but I think I ask you, yeah, I, it's like ask for like that virtue, like so Maria Goretti, like, but you'll be tested for that. So you go to Maria Goretti, it's like, Maria Goretti, can I have a share of your purity? And then sure enough, God's going to like, I mean, if you want that, I mean, he's going to give you a test. So I, I think just be ready for that. But I do think that we need to pray more for the virtues of these saints than just like asking. And it is important to ask them to help us in our, in our daily affairs too, but just most importantly, uh, yeah. to become saint virtuous. So I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like they see the saints as like kind of too holy. And you mentioned like Mother Angelica um, getting angry at people that yeah. uh, kind of what's what's the word called? They raise up the saints where they're almost unreachable. But um, that's why I enjoy like St. Teresa's book. Uh, yeah. St. Therese. How do you pronounce it? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. Therese. Therese I think. Therese, I've heard mostly Therese, yeah, Therese of the Sea. Yeah, Therese. Um, yeah, like her book, it's a really relatable book, uh, even to my own life in a way, like, or at least the first 10 pages are, then like after that, I um, I can't relate anymore, but it's kind of like a, a roadway. Yeah. Um, like I was kind of follow after her, I guess. And I'm also young, so she was young. Um so yeah, like the point of the saints, the role of the saints, they set the example for us that we can achieve because they were humans. Um, mm -hmm. There's also Christ, but Christ sets a, like a godly example that's almost unreachable. But the saints, uh, like St. Joseph, if you're a father, Mary, if you're a mother, um, all of these saints. But um, so do you have like a problem yourself with hagiography? Oh, really? You know, I think, like you were mentioned, I, I had a priest once say, I, it was kind of caught me off surprise, but he almost said, like, don't imitate the saints, like, because, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I mean, in a sense, like, how do I say, like, we really imitate Christ, but the saints, I think if you, like, God wants you to be your own saint, in a sense, like, if you know, like, you read St. Faustina's diary, and I read it, I love it, but it's mm -hmm. like, I when, I when I was young, like, around your age, I read it for the first time, and I, uh, I was like, man, I got to imitate what she's doing, but like God speaking yeah. her personally, that's a one danger is like, yeah, yeah you, that's right. In the middle of the novena, like you could try your best to be like, to go and do all the penances that they're doing. It's like, but you, you wouldn't become a, God would say to you, like, that was for St. Faustina. That's not for you. You know, like, I want you to be the saint that is, there's actually one of my friends, She's a Catholic songwriter. Her name's Daniel Rose. She sings a song. You'll have to look it up. It's called The Saint I've That Is Just Me. Before. Yeah. I'm she not sing, sure if I heard her music, but I heard yeah. that before. Yeah, she sings a song, The Saint That Is Just Me. And I, when I heard that, I was like, again, around your age, I started crying because I was like, man, I've, 
especially because I just left the monastery and I was like, I tried so hard. Like, I think that's one thing is like as Catholics, we have this uh, almost a like Jansenistic where we think we can save ourselves. You know, the Protestants are like, yeah, I'm already going to heaven, right? So it doesn't really matter. But then yeah. you get the Catholics. It's like, oh, I'm trying so hard. And I think you got to find that balance because it's trusting in God's mercy. And I, again, looking to the saints, like what are some things that the saints did? But so if a saint like did all night adoration, it's like, that doesn't mean that that's like what you're supposed to do. I mean, I think it's having a good like, a priest or spiritual director and, and living like, you know, it's almost like, like St. Therese would say that, like she used the different flowers in nature and she's like, you know, if every, if every flower wanted to be like, you know, the, the I don't know, like a rose, like it would lose the splendor of nature. And God's like, I want you to be like, I created you. I gave you this grace. I want you to be that flower that I made you to be, you know, and that, that's where I think I, yeah. that helps me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you have any favorite saint songs? Uh, so songs named after saints. There's the Bob Dylan, St. Augustine song. I've heard one named after St. Jerome, like a small indie band. But uh, do you know any off the top of your head? I don't. You know, it's funny. Like, well, it's my son's Jude and, then you know, hey, Jude. But that's not like, it's funny. <laughs> I don't think that was after St. Jude. But there's there's not a, I mean in terms of like Catholic songs I would say that that Danielle Rose one you know mm -hmm. the saint that is just me you know and then you know, obviously like the litany of the saints is really powerful um, to pray yeah um, so do you have any least favorite saints least uh, favorite your question to ask but <laughs> I mean there's a lot of saints like, I just don't any saints like you're tired of <laughs> no. I think I kind of like to go for the ones that aren't as common, you know, just cause it's mm -hmm. like, well, everyone else invokes that saint. So like, you know, like, like I like Solanus Casey a lot. I'm trying to think, um, Maria Goretti. I'm trying to think who, you know, obviously St. Patrick. I can't say there's any that I'm like Padre P. I just don't pray a lot to not that I'm tired of him. I know he's powerful. Yeah. I just, you know, I, th I think I've kind of like tried to go after I left religious life. It was kind of like, I went to more of the married saints you know, I, I kind of had difficulty like relating to a lot of the, uh, you know, the saints that, you know, like St. Francis of Assisi, for instance, like, I think I was discerning at once with the Franciscan friars, the renewal, and I love St. Francis. And, and then like, after I didn't discern with, or St. Benedict, right. And then I just felt like, man, I'm not going to, I'm not in that order anymore. So I don't have a connection as much with him. Mm -hmm. So I'd say I, maybe I, I don't, I've kind of fallen out of friendship with them. You might say, <laughs> Yeah. but, but then tonight they're going to appear to me in my dreams. And I was like, Hey man, like I saw you dissing me on Michael's show. I'm gonna... <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Do you have a favorite saint on the reverse, the flip side? Yeah. I, I like, um, well, St. Patrick is being named after him, but it's funny. Like I, I've read some of his stuff, but be, I wish there was more of his writing. So I, I'm not like I'm, I'm yeah. close to him as my patron, but I, I would say I almost, I would say like St. Therese's parents, Lewis and Zelie Martin. Those are probably my, my favorite, two favorite saints. So uh, what's the biggest lesson you take away from them being a parent yourself? Yeah. I would say with, with them is um, like the life is messy and, and it's filled with suffering. You know, they lost four children and, you know, the, the Zelly died in her, she was like 45 when she died of cancer. And, you know, and, and just the fact that they, they both wanted like Zelly dreamt of solitude. She's like, oh, I can't wait to be retired. So I can just, she's like, she thought about her sister who was a nun. And I, I think it's like, so, so often we have, we have this, we have, I'm like an, you know, being, I have a melancholic temperament and part, you know, part of it is like, you have this ideal, of like, this is what, you know, the ideal for me is to wake up every day and to pray for an hour and then in the evening pray for an hour and pray, you know, it's like, but I don't have that, you know, it's like, I wish I had that time. I don't, you know, when you have a family, you'll, you'll see as, you know, God willing someday, Michael, like, it's like just trying to like be as holy as you can in, in the circumstances. And I think they reveal that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, like, uh, I also enjoy St. Teresa's Little Way, uh, especially after reading her book. Uh, we, it seems like on this podcast, every guest, uh, guest I talk to, we always talk about St. Therese. Um, so, yeah, what do you think is special about the younger saints? Uh, 
So like, why are some of these younger people, why are they like more uh, apt to become saints rather than, uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but rather than like some of these more worldly people, but like you have like St. Therese, you mentioned St. Maria. Um, I can't pronounce her last name, so I'm not even going to try. But um, So yeah, like how does a young person become a saint? Any special ways? I think it comes down... I do think parents like kind of plant those seeds early, like St. Therese's parents, you know, taking her to, to mass, you know, and, you know, to adoration. And then I think even her, um, and then Maria Gretti, like she grew up very poor and like both of them, Maria Gretti lost her dad at a young age. So often I, I do think that suffering, it, it caused it, like it leads to sainthood. You know, you look at John Paul II, I always say this, like if he was born in another country or time period, didn't experience like, you know, World War II, like his mom died when he was, I think he was around nine years old. I don't think he would have become a saint. So I, I do think that those circumstances of suffering form saints. And, but I do think there's a, obviously the parents leading the way. And then there's that desire that's implanted in their heart. You know, they're like, I want to become a saint. And maybe, you know, it's um, like Teresa of Avila when she was young, her, she did have um, some stories of the lives of the saints she would read on different martyrs. And I think that was something that like instilled the fires in her heart. So, um, yeah. so good books, holy example by the parents. And then ultimately like just this desire that God plants in their heart. Like they, they realize I want to live for God alone. You know, instead of today, I think a lot of young people, there's just, you know, there's so many competing forces for their attention. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, so what's your favorite book by a saint, written by a saint? Well, my favorite book, I would say The Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, I have it on my shelf back there. And I'm trying to think, the, the, I, and I, um, I'd say that's my, my favorite book. And I used to like, um, there was one book, True Spouse of the Holy Eucharist by St. Alphonsus, that one. And then mm. that, was a, that was a good one. Yeah. So how often do you read books uh, written by the saints? Uh, yeah. Can't see the bookshelf I have here, but it's like filled with the classics of Western spirituality. Yeah. So you have tons of saints, like some of them, like uh, people don't even really know about uh, St. Catherine Genoa. Have you ever read? Like, oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned suffering earlier. So that's uh, prime yeah. example of suffering. I used to read it. I think now, because, you know, in my previous role as an editor, you know, every day I'm reading Saints books. So it's like after I got to a point, like after my work hours were over, it's like I couldn't read any more Saints because the whole day, I'm, but I wasn't tired of it. But I, I do think, like, I was, I would, you know, even like, I think it's important, you know, that spiritual reading, even my time in the monastery. So, if, like, when you go to bed at night, to spend 10 to 15 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a nighttime or even, even during the day, but I, I do try to, you know, um, I think most of all the saints books, I have read a lot, most of them. I and mean, there's still some new ones coming out, but uh, I definitely try to, you know, um, read them every day if I can. Is there any saint that you should read more of? Uh, a lot of people haven't read like St. Uh, Faustina's Diary just because it's so long, but are there any like saints uh, that you're afraid to approach? Like St. Augustine, for example, he has like, half of those green books that you can see, those are all St. Augustine yeah. books. You know, it's, it's too, it's like God kind of moves your heart and to read different saints at different times. And I've yeah. had times when I've read a book by a saint and I've read like the first chapter and I just had to put it down. It was, a, it wasn't like, I wasn't ready for it. And I think it's just to pray and like, you know, the Holy spirit, like, and, that, and that's when you, I mean, not everyone can have a spiritual director, but it's like, Hey, is there a good book? Like, you know, I always say like the introduction to vow life by St. Francis de Sales, like everyone's on a different journey. And I think one mistake is like to assume that like, if you read this book, man, someone else's should read that one, but maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe it won't speak to them like it did you. And uh, so I, I think it's, I would look at where you're at in your life and what books you kind of need the most. Like if you're trying to advance and like, you know, humility, there's books on humility. It kind of depends on, you know, what vices you're dealing with and maybe what virtues. So I, I think that's, that's something to consider. Yeah. So uh, the introduction to the devout life, I've been reading that book for a year now. I'm slowly getting through it. Um, I'll pick it up like every few months. It's actually on this table. Uh, you can't see it, but um, 
So are there like any books by saints that you find um, that people don't finish? Like St. Augustine's Confessions is another one. People will start that but never finish it. Um, what what book comes to mind when, when I say that? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, even like the Summa Theologica, you know, from Aquinas, like it's so vast that, I mean, I've, I've read parts of it, but I've not, like, I'm almost intimidated by it, to tell you the truth. And I think it's just the way it's set up. It's, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. It's one of the, it's probably one of the most, one of the great, probably the greatest work of the- theology and philosophy in one. And, but, you know, it's sometimes it's like reading Baltimore Catechism. It's like, it's almost like you're studying it. It's like, here's the question, the answer, you know, it's very academic. And so, I would say that that's one that I just I haven't like I've read like commentaries on it, but I haven't I'm kind of intimidated, honestly, by it. Like I just mm. I just feel like it's uh, it's kind of a lot of it's over my head. And, uh, and and again, you can't and I always say that, too. It's like God is not going to ask you when you die. Like, did you read my this Aquinas Assuma? You know, if anything, I think I read this mystic somewhere said that like in heaven, the saints will actually be our teachers. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just this one mystic. I don't I think she was approved by the church, but like you will sit down, you know, I imagine in a classroom in heaven and St. Thomas Aquinas will teach you like firsthand what the Summa is or John of the Cross. He'll come down and be like, hey, Michael, I want to teach you about the dark night of the soul. And this is how it's going to be clear to you. And I think that that's like, that gives me a lot of hope that like, you know, I can't know everything in this life, you know, but I think, mm-hmm. I think it's important to, to balance. Like if you are spending like, two hours of your day just doing spiritual reading and you're not doing any meditation or any prayer. Like, I think you're, it's like, you're just trying to acquire knowledge. And I think the greatest saints were like the ones that were steeped in scripture. So I think for me, like, I just feel like God is like every day, like meditate on scripture. And then, you know, we do need to spend, maybe it's like an hour, a couple, an hour a week, at least like with study, but then there's daily spiritual reading. So anyways, there's whole paths and uh, I know spiritual directors will give you different advice, but. Yeah, so have you ever read any like Aquinas' commentaries, like Aquinas' commentary on John, for example? I did. I, I read some, like some of those, and it was mostly through, I think, um, the Navarre biblical commentaries. I think they would put mm-hmm. they would put different passages in there. And then I forget the name of the the commentary that Aquinas, it's called like Santa. I can't think of the name. Uh, Contra Gentiles. Yeah. Or- yeah, something like yeah, that's that's a shorter one. That's yeah. still a big book. I think like a thousand pages. Do you but, like to read those commentaries? Uh, so I, I read like his gospel commentaries. Um, I forget what the other one is. There's, there's only two, uh, Matthew and then John. He didn't do the other two gospels, but he's written like uh, commentaries on lots of the St. Paul letters, yeah. uh, lots of the Old Testament books. And I always recommend those to people because people always go for the Summa uh, down yeah. there see the summa down there <laughs> but people always go for that um they overlook like his simple stuff the stuff he wrote for normal people not those uh, intelligent yeah. theologians um so yeah i guess like reading books you learn a lot but what's the most uh uncommon fact that only you know that no one else knows like uh and particularly uh like a fact about a saint yeah Let's see. Let's I can see. give one if to give you a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was reading like, uh, it was actually like written in the third century, I think. Uh, it was a preface to um, one of the books of the Bible, but actually it was the, uh, Mark, the book of Mark. Um, so the, the fact is that St. Mark has like short stubby fingers. Um, he actually has a nickname, Stub Finger. So uh, I don't know where that came from, but it was passed down through tradition, I guess, to second century. And then so that's that's, uh, Stub Fingers, St. Mark's nickname. That's that's cool. I put in my book, you know, the parents of saints, I try to put some unusual, like different, uh, my research, different facts. And one was that St. Louis Martin, like basically a couple of years, Lords happened like, Mary appeared at our, our lady of, you know, our lady of Lords appeared the same year he was married, 1858. So it ha- hadn't been approved yet, but it may, I, I don't know when exactly when they approved that apparition, but he went on a pilgrimage to Lords and he was like taken off chunks of the rock where she appeared and uh, they were going to like arrest him, but they decided not to. And I, I thought I was joking. I was like, he's the patron saint of like, you know, of relic finders, you know, cause he's trying to like, yeah. I put that in my book. 
<laughs> and his daughter picked up on that too, uh, Saint Therese. She, yeah. um, I forget what the story was, but like in Rome, she went down into the Colosseum, like where the martyrs were, yeah. I guess, and like touched the rocks. So. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't supposed to so <laughs> she got it from her dad uh so do you think like do you think we're allowed to do that as well just like go into a church and like touch the relics behind the uh curtains and i don't know if no. that would apply to like yeah i think it's always good i mean to i think to ask you know try not to do things like you know if you were i forget the example like if you went to, i've never been to lords before but i think now they have it blocked off and i actually i went to um this, the baptismal font where St. Francis was baptized. And so was uh, there's St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. He's one of my favorites. And then St. Clair. And I knew about it from a book that I read. And there's like a little gate around it. And I, the security guard wasn't looking. And I just put my rosary and I, I put it on the top of the baptismal font. And I mean, it wasn't, no alarm went off. But like, I mean, yeah. I mean you just have to be careful. I mean, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, but it, it's obviously like, if there was like a relic, I wouldn't grab it, you know. But I think like stuff like that, it's mm -hmm. like, there's, this is a place, a spot where Mary appeared and you can, you know, you're, you're able to, you're not going to hurt anything. Uh, yeah. The saints have a certain boldness to them. Yeah. Uh, so like uh, what saint uh, comes to mind? Like when you hear the word bold, uh, like a really audacious saint. Yeah. I think, well, I would go with, St. Paul, I think, you know, based on his accounts. And then, um, well, Tan had a book. It was called the, the I think it's called the uh, Tale of Death and Glory with St. Sebastian. And he basically, and, you know, like his martyrdom, St. Ambrose wrote on it. And, you know, he was very bold. I think any of like the martyr saints, just, you know, like St. Lawrence, right? Turn me over. I'm done on this side. It, you know, it's funny, last night I watched, with my wife we do a date night once a week and i hadn't seen the movie gladiator in a long time it's <laughs> one of my favorite movies but just seeing like the guys like hey you know we're all gonna die someday you know and so i i think just just like staring death in its eyes and saying you know what like i'm not afraid to die you know and, and as we you know as, as persecutions come our way and just say like you know we're not meant for this world and i think it's mm -hmm. often like we we try to hold on to it. So I think the saints remind us like of, of that reality. Like, but there is a part you don't go in like, like St. Francis, right. You don't go and just like go to some, you know, like a Muslim and say stuff about Muhammad just so you can get more, you know, like you gotta be smart yeah. about it, but like, you can't be afraid. I mean, it's just like being ready. Like if you, if you were to come in a situation and someone's like, could you believe in Jesus Christ? You know, you're in a store and some guy just pulls out a gun, you know, it's like, it kills you. I mean, it's just like, you know, what would you do? You know, like, so I, I think just, just yeah. thinking about the situations. Yeah. So you mentioned like the Roman martyrs. Do the names Saint Magnus and Saint Benosa ring a bell? I don't think they, those are really popular. Yeah. Saints, yeah. So my church, Saint Martin of Tours, they actually have the bodies of Saint Magnus and Saint Benosa just uh, like right there beside the altar. Uh, and so they also have the altar rails. So when you're receiving communion, you just look straight ahead. There's like a skeleton. Uh, oh. They have the palm branches. It's very cool. Um, that's incredible. You know, that's, there's yeah. very, I think that that could, that'd be a great book is like, you could do it like a, for yourself, just to like mm -hmm. go to all, find all the churches in the United States where there's like actual relics of the saints visible, you know, and like, you could, cause I think in the Cleveland, cause my parents live in Ohio, there's a relic of, it was like St. Barbara or something like their, her school is in the side chapel, you know, but it's not, it's like, you go to Italy, it's everywhere. Like you'll go to every church. There's like martyr, but he, in the United States, there's very few churches like that. And I think, uh, they came to St. Martin's, uh, during world war one, maybe there was some bombing going on. So, uh, Pope Leo the 13th, uh, sent them over to America, but, um, so yeah, like I'll invoke their intercession while I'm receiving communions. It's really cool. Uh, wow. A lot of tourists come as well, wow. I think. Uh, maybe just to see those bodies, yeah. but they also go to mass at the same time. It's, it's really good. I wonder if they, they forgot about it over in Italy. They're like, you'll get a note next week after they see the uh, show. Like, we want our bodies back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some church in Italy. Um, yeah, do you have a favorite uh, Pope saint? So uh a pope that was a saint 
saint uh pope leo the 13th should be a saint I'll, yeah I'll yeah no that. i yeah no i agree with you i like um actually pope saint celestine the fifth you know he was the he was the first one to retire before pope benedict yeah and he was in just you know i've read a little bit on his life and you know i feature his mom in, in my book because his mom went to all his siblings one time and says which one of you is going to be a saint and I thought that's a great question. Like if you ever ask your children, which one of you wants to be a saint? And uh, I just like the fact that he, you know, he was kind of a poor administrator as a Pope and basically just retired. And, uh, and I think it shows you, but it's like, no matter, I don't know, just even with our failures, like sometimes we, we measure six, our a measure of success is different from what God sees, you know, God, you know, sometimes we fail more than we succeed, but as long as we're trying to do God's will, that's what counts. So, um, like, is, is there a particular saint that like stands out as inspirational, uh, to everyone? Um, so I guess you, you could use like a martyr for that uh, question, mm -hmm. but, um, like, is there one saint that has like a really inspirational story? Yeah. I still think at the end of the day, you know, devotion to St. Joseph, it's picked up. And that's where I feel like St. Joseph is, he didn't do anything like great. And I think sometimes we, I know you're saying inspiration, but I, I feel that's like a good just, answer. just, just because the ordinary is really the extraordinary, you know, like how, like for me, you know, it's like, oh, we have this thing that's like, man, I must go out. And like, I used to pray to abortion clinics a lot when I was young in college. And, and mm -hmm. I, I love to do that now, but I can't, you know, it's just like an hour away. And these are my duties. And sometimes I can feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not doing all these things for, for the, for the faith, but, but St. Joseph reminds me, it's like, you know, your holiness is, you know, you know, it's in, it's, in, it's underneath your roof. This is where I want you to be holy, you know? And, uh, my one friend, Devin Shad, he, you have to have him on your show, but he's, he's a mm -hmm. great speaker. He wrote an awesome book on St. Joseph, a consecration book. And, uh, mm -hmm. but a priest once told him, he says, don't become a, a street lamp in order for your house to become dim. And I think we're often, out yeah. there as married men like there's just a, a great temptation to like oh, i got to do all this stuff at the parish but then like you know you don't even spend time with your wife and your kids and I, again saint joseph reminds us mothers that are doing their you know their um folding clothes or washing dishes like your greatness is you know just right right at home doing that with love and not not being anywhere else yeah so besides your wife do you have any saints in your personal life uh, <laughs> everyone will say their wife uh, but, but yeah i purposely did that you can use your wife if you want <laughs> yeah no that was a question i always used to ask people like who's the holiest person yeah you know like i think too like my mom like i'd say like that she's always just forgetting about herself you know i think she's mm. she's an example for me like just you know because it's easy to like we just always we don't want to focus on ourselves on our sufferings but like so she's yeah. someone and, and i think I've, I've met a couple holy priests throughout my life that had just like all they did was care about other people they just didn't even talk about themselves just you know they're just very holy uh-huh so yeah like working at the monastery there's definitely like um i'm around a few people that i think could be saints uh did you experience something similar uh when you were discerning yeah uh, it did around all these wise uh old men uh there's some younger guys too who are, who are really uh serviceable yeah yeah no because I, I did spend you know like one year looking at the i don't know if you're familiar with the franciscan friars the renewal they oh, were in the bronx and they and uh i got to meet their founder father groschel couple times and then father apostoli he was the postulator mm -hmm. for Fulton Sheen's cause and i remember meeting father apostoli and there's just kind of this glow that radiated from him and i think this peacefulness and i think that's i definitely see that and you know even in our monastery there's one brother that was you know, he'd do the stations of the cross every day during lent and he was like 90 mm -hmm. years old and uh and i think i think that's what i see in the key is in sanctity it's like you know, just being a peaceful person, no matter what happens to you, you know, like all your circumstances, like not being anxious and which it's just so easy to be, but. Yeah. And I gave this example on a previous podcast, but there's this monk. Uh, and so he's, he's, he always has a positive attitude. I've never seen him with the frown. Um, and he always looks for the best in anything. Like uh, something bad will happen, but he'll bring something good out of it. 
Um, he's really open to helping others. So like, uh, I'll drop an entire box of like, uh, cardboard containers all over the floor. And before I'm even like down on the ground, picking them up, he's already down there picking them up for me. So, uh, just those like small acts, uh, I think he'll be a saint one day. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Mother Angelica said too, she goes, and I, I put that quote in the back of my book. She said, there might be a saint in heaven who's like a washer, like this washerwoman maybe have a greater glory than St. Augustine. You know, she goes, there'll be a lot of surprises in heaven. And just because someone's can't officially canonized doesn't mean they are the, have the greatest union with God in heaven. Like there's people on earth that could, you know, have a closer union that never get canonized. Like you said, those people that uh, in, your, in your monastery. Yeah. So do you think, uh, like, are there any people that you think should be canonized that aren't canonized? Uh, you mentioned like Fulton J. Sheen. Do you think he should be a saint? Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, he, he helped bring in like Bella Dodd into the church and she was like one of the top yeah. communist spies. And I would say him. I think there's a father, John Harden, that he's a very holy guy. Uh, I think Solanus Casey, you know, he's a blessed right now. I do think like John Paul II's parents, they'll be canonized. And, you know, I feature them in my book. A lot of the people, like I said, a lot of the parents of the saints, like I feel like that they're, that they, you know, another one is, you know, for my courtship book, I got to interview St. Gianna's daughter and her father, yeah. his, I, I mean, according to her, I mean, she said he's he should be a saint i mean she lived i mean she didn't know her mom because she died a couple days after but like I, I believe that her father should be a saint because here he had to raise all the kids by himself after his wife died and uh yeah uh so what gave you the idea for this courtship book and i'll bring it up on the screen here yeah so there it is uh you can go ahead and pre-order that everyone that's oh. watching that that will watch this but yeah no that one is, I've always been fascinated with like marriage stories and like how people meet their spouses. And so that yeah. I wrote, I started that like a couple of years ago, even before I worked at TAN. And, um, and yeah, I think just to give people hope, you know, especially like young people like yourself, like, like, how do I meet my spouse? Like, you know, where, what are some examples? So that, mm -hmm. that's kind of the impetus behind the book is to help, you know, young people. And also, I think I even have suggestions on the back for marriages. So people that are married, I think that we can, we almost like think like, Hey, we have a decent, we have a good marriage with my wife. And I, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Is like, but God wants us to have the greatest marriage. Like, and, and I think when you read these stories, you're going to see like some of them, like they like loved, like, you know, you, like you, you know, like I, I what I want to say is there's very few couples. I really think in, in, in the Catholic church, just in the world that are like absolutely in love with each other. Like Christ loves his church, you know, that they love each other. Like you love your spouse. Like I love my wife, but it's like, do I pursue her every single day of my life? Am I willing to die? Like, you know, so like every day, do I seek to make her happy? And I can say, I don't, I want to, but because of, I'm just, I'm sinful, you know, I'm selfish and you'll, you'll see, you know, can, but I think that it's good to see, um, to see what the bar, how these saints set the bar. So then, you know, now, yeah and so uh yeah um when did when does this book come out uh what's the release date yeah. on it yeah so it, it comes out on may 30th so just next month and then i think right you know, so the pre-order pages are up it's on tan's website and also available on amazon and uh so now i'm really you know i, I think i have a like 25 different saints I, I feature and they're not all saints in there but they're on the path so john paul ii's parents pope benedict's parents i feature in there um, St. Rita, you know, mm -hmm. there's St. Francis of Borgia. There's some well-known ones and there's some lesser known ones. So uh, how did you start writing this book? Did you just go on Google and like uh, Google uh, parents of the saints almost? Or, or that's for your other book. Or like, <laughs> how did you find out about like, how did you bring it all together? Well, um, I, I kind of just had been, because when I was doing the parents book, then I used some of the research from that book. And then I, I, so mm -hmm. I created a Word document. And so I was able to, like, for instance, the story, I talk about how Lewis and Zellie Martin met each other. And I, so I was able to use a quote from my own book, the parents one, and put it in that book. But I expanded yeah. upon that story. So mm -hmm. I kind of just, once I have an idea, like, you know, then I, I break each chapter is kind of broken up into like, 
like it's once called like biblical stories. So I have on, you know, the story of St. You know, Raphael with uh, uh, Tobit and Ruth in there. And, yeah. and then I have a, a Ruth, sorry, Ruth and Boaz. And there's a couple of biblical stories. And then I have private revelation. I have Joachim and Anne and I have Mary and Joseph, how they met. So. So uh, for like Mary and Joseph, were you reading a bunch of those apocryphal books? Yeah, no, I, I used them. Um, a lot with um, Maria Vagrita and Anne, I think Anne, yeah. mostly Maria Vagrita, which was you know, which was approved by her bishop. So there's there's probably two stories: Joachim and Anne and Mary and Joseph are the only two that I use private revelation. Yeah, um, that's what I'm gonna have to use. Uh, so I'm writing a book about loving God, and I'm using pretty much everyone I can find. Like, um, not e they don't have to be saints either, but I'm just pulling yeah. in anybody. Um, so yeah, uh, where can the viewers find you? We we did an hour here. Yeah, you can. I would. Say, quick. Yeah, I'm on a that contemplative heart press is my dot com is my website there, and, and there's a if you want there's an email on there if you want to reach out to me. I also I'm not a huge in a social media, but I did to, to enable one thing. If you, if you want your books to sell, I always say this. I know this as an editor, like the author has to put himself out there. You know, you can't just expect mm -hmm. your publisher to sell your book. So. And it's sometimes I, I don't, I'm not, I hate coming across that way. Hey, go, go check out my books, go get this. But like, yeah. if you don't, it's not going to sell as well. So I did, our publicist recommended I have an Instagram page. So I do have, I post some of my books on there. It's just Patrick R. O'Hearn and Instagram. And then I have a LinkedIn page. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find me on there, connect with me. And I also, I like, I post articles that I, on my books or whatever. Um, so yeah. So that's actually how I found you on LinkedIn, but I, I didn't know about the Instagram page. Yeah. I'll have to go back and follow that uh so you don't have a twitter do you i was looking for i don't yeah i'm probably gonna stay away I, from that i don't i have enough I, I waste enough time as it is so i don't want to waste anymore yeah I, I wouldn't um if you don't have to don't don't yeah. have to, but um it's kind of necessary for like modern writers i guess uh, mm -hmm. to get um to get your name out there but yeah. stay away from it if you can um, so yeah, would you like to end with a prayer? Yeah. Uh, do you have a special prayer you'd like to say, or let's? I like to let's an Our Father or something simple. Yeah, let's let's do an Our Father and a Hail Mary, and we'll. All right. Gonna lead it, Michael. All right. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. All right. It was great to talk yeah. to you, Patrick. Yeah, thank you, Michael, for having me. I w wish you the best and a blessed Easter season to you. Yeah, we can still say Happy Easter. We're still in the octave. So uh, Happy Easter to everyone watching that will watch this, uh, at least for the next month, I think it is, until Pentecost. But, all right, so we'll roll the outro. <laughs>